And welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and video show which brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe so you won't miss a new episode. I'm your host, Fritz Bussemaker, and today I'm privileged to have a conversation with Taha Bawa. Taha, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Fritz. Great to be here. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm going to briefly introduce you who you are, and I want to talk about your really amazing background. You're the co-founder of Goodwall. Uh, you are on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, a World Economic Forum Global Shaper, member of the Global Leadership Council, the Forbes Council, and you've talked about your background uh, on a number of uh, great global podia around the world, TEDx, UN, Google, MIT, Oxford. I mean, enough to talk about in the next uh, 20 or 30 minutes. Again, welcome. Um, when I hear the name Goodwall, I uh, my first association was with Oasis. I don't know why. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, so that says it, but I get it. I get it, and it does take me back. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, maybe you're going to have a ringtone on your phone uh, in the future. But hey, first, of, before we go into Goodwall, uh, Taha, a uh, little bit about your background. Uh, where are you at the moment, and how did you get there? Um, so physically, I'm uh, I'm I'm in London right now. I was born in Switzerland. My parents were Sri Lankan. Grew up in um, a few countries: Pakistan, Iran, the U.S. Came back to Switzerland. Um, studied partially there, and then um, did my graduate studies in the U.K. Uh, the the our parents worked in the humanitarian sector growing up. So my father for refugees um, for for his career, and then my mum. Uh, for different organizations in the health space, in particular. So we were exposed to quite a bit growing up uh, between during our formative years, living between, um, you know, having had the privilege to live in these different, vastly different um, environments. And then as we got older, between Switzerland in particular, which is, you know, a, a certain environment where things work largely, um, you know, uh, there's a strong middle class, upper middle class, there's, there's economic opportunity. And then we would go back, spend our summers uh, visiting refugee camps, visiting places uh, or people that really just did not have the opportunities that we clearly had. Uh, uh, just to check, your parents brought you, their kids with them. So how old were you? Yeah, so we have photos. Um, it was started very young, actually. So from right throughout... Throughout our childhood, we would visit Sri Lanka and visit areas of Sri Lanka that were clearly less privileged or less fortunate um, in terms of young people's access to opportunities. But then specifically, when you speak about refugee camps, which is even you know, more stark, um, it was they're literally, we're talking about tents in the desert or in, 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 in areas with like, you know, really not so nice um, areas. Uh, this, I think we have photos like eight, nine, 10 years old, we started going there. And we have memories that I have spoken about, like vivid memories and photos of us giving out candy and uh, uh, to other young people who look not too dissimilar to us that, and as I've said, have achieved nothing less than we had achieved as nine, 10 year olds. Okay. When you talk about, uh, okay, where these camps are, uh, I'm just curious, um, was it safe to be there? 
did you were you could you freely walk around and just interact with the people there i mean um take us uh with us okay wh what does that mean because uh, that yeah really yeah no absolutely and i i think you know a big part of why i am lucky to be where i am is because of those formative experiences particularly those outside of the classroom i.e being able to visit refugee camps and i would say you know if you have the chance as a as a parent to take your children not necessarily to refugee camps but to to see what what is actually happening to a big percentage of our population um i i, I mean there's very little that's more formative that helps build resilience or grit or 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 even a sense of purpose than experiences like that so just going back um we were there you know we were very lucky to be there because of my father's work and um we were just kind of you know as as two nine ten year olds kind of following him so um i don't think it was on the cards to kind of go yeah. and and really explore um it was it was within that context but you know sometimes just watching yeah. um leaves leaves even more of a mark you know um, i understand that although i find it quite interesting that you use the phrase i was lucky to be there yeah absolutely yeah i mean most people um mo mo most most people don't have the chance i mean if we talk now from the global north right so uh, yourself right fritz you're you're today out of i'm based in amsterdam and uh, honest i've never come yeah. close to a refugee camp as far as i'm aware of yeah so so for most for most people who live in the global north or you know in, in certain areas they if they're if they're privileged to be from a from a certain socioeconomic background they don't have exposure necessarily to what's actually happening in in certain parts of the world or even certain parts of their own country if we take um you know there, there are there are parts of europe that are that 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 don't have as much opportunity and where people really don't have the privilege that others do like yourself or like me right now. And so um, I think it is a huge privilege to, to be able to visit, to be able to broaden one's mindset um, and, and exposure. Uh, you know, a lot of young people, a lot of people, if we take Europe, you know, especially if they're a little bit lucky, you know, we go and spend our summer vacations in a certain place spend our Christmas vacation skiing or, or something of the sorts. And then your you know, day-to-day -day is your day-to-day. -day. So you're quite limited in really broadening your horizons, not because it's your fault, just because you didn't have that luck uh, or that opportunity, particularly in the formative years, which I think makes a big difference. But I would encourage you, Fritz, there, and we can speak about this after, there are various places that I encourage you to just, you know, even around Europe or in North Africa that, 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 that are... That can be incredibly formative, and we work with different partners in some of these areas, um, from the UNICEFs, who are incredible partners, but also local civil society organizers who work in South Africa, who work in Kenya, who work in you know certain parts of Europe where there are camps, or where are where there are people who are you know from just dis disadvantaged in terms of the opportunities they have. Okay, uh, you're making me curious. Uh, when you come with a suggestion like that. Um, okay, maybe a little bit of off topic for, before we go into uh, your uh, Goodwill experience, but uh, the way you describe it, uh, it could mean that you're going to turn it into a tourist destination. So we, we see, okay, you can go to the beach, you can go skiing, or you can go on some kind of uh, eco-sustainability trip. You can also have an opportunity 
to have a look there, maybe do good, do good contribute. Um, is that something you you would be advocating just to expose people to that part of the world? Yeah, I think it, it, one has to be very mindful and and and, and you know, there are humans involved, right? In the same way that when we talk about going into a conservation trip, there's a way to do it. Yes. And one needs to go in the right environment with the right people and the right mindset. And, you know, this is not a, this is not a zoo in the same way that when one goes yeah. on a conservation trip, this is not a zoo. And so I, I, I would say yes, with an asterisk of with the right people in the right conditions. Um, I think I think it can contribute positively towards society um, if it's done the right way. In the same way that when we talk about eco trips, you know, there's different types of eco trips. There are those eco trips where you know one has to ask ourselves: Are we getting the real exposure, or is this just brass taps in the bush? And um, and in one case, if it's done right with the right guides and the right understanding of the communities. And you have the right mindset in terms of being open. This can change your life, and 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 it can also be a force for good in those areas that need that sort of tourism. But if it's in the wrong way, it's actually quite detrimental to the local populace. It could be, as we fully, know. Understand, fully understand. But uh, I'm now assuming that because being exposed at such a young age is has been a very key milestone in your life. It has. I mean, uh, whether it be uh, the, the camps I mentioned, whether it be being able to go spend time in the wilderness, um, you know, that that inspired us. And that happened a little bit later for us. We we were very lucky to be with leading conservationists. And that kind of, to give a very concrete example, that kind of completely changed our approach and our view on the concrete, tangible, uh, tangible effects of climate change and biodiversity loss um, that is taking place around the world. And that actually in a way, contributed to Goodwall expanding its mandate to also contribute towards the fight um, um, climate mitigation or climate change. Okay, now I'm, it makes a little bit more sense that you are the co-founder of Goodwall uh, together with your brother. And did I mean, may I assume same experience? You both went to the same camp, same experience. You looked at you and say, we need to do something. Yeah, it wasn't immediate. Um, so, you know, I understand. We, we 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 were exposed to a lot of things over many years, and and I think that led us at a at a relatively young age. We were both in university where we saw that something's not right. You know, how can it be that you know some people are so lucky and others are so not? And I think it it it, it I think one sentence that kind of sums this up would be, and I've said this a few times, but if I'm on this call with you today. It's not because I'm the smartest or the most hardworking. It's really because of the opportunities I had growing up, right? So whether it be in terms of wanting to do good or whether it be just in terms of, you said at the beginning, so I'm not gonna repeat, I'm not gonna say that I think this, but you said, oh, maybe I've achieved a few things. And a, a, a lot of those achievements are only possible because of uh, the experiences I had growing up, whether that be the confidence for my parents, whether that be the 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 the, the travels that we had, whether that be our um, inspiration we took from from things we saw, whether it be the 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 you know watching Shark Tank as a child, to you know in terms of the entrepreneurial exposure. So this has you know if I go back, if we just take the final analogy to that refugee camp, 
there's a photo of me giving out candy to another 10-year-old. What's the probability of her being on this podcast today? It's almost zero. Yeah. No matter how smart she may be, no matter how hardworking she might have been. And so there's this misconception, I feel, that, oh, you just work really hard and you are talented and it's going to be, and that's just not the case for most young people today. Okay. Now, uh, this is like a good segue to go a little bit more into Goodwill. We've named it a couple of times, but we haven't explained or mentioned anything. What did you set up? What is Goodwill all about? So Goodwill was set up um, with the intention to level the playing field for youth globally. We thought the most meaningful thing we could do with our lives would be to give some of the opportunities we had to 100 million other young people Mm -hmm. and help them be the best versions of themselves. And maybe some of them would want to contribute to solving some of our most complicated problems. Essentially, we saw that the two of us were completely incapable of tackling these problems. And we said, okay, what if 100 million others could? That would be that would be cool. And, and actually, then maybe we have a chance. So that's where we started. And today, what Goodwall is, think of it as a LinkedIn meets TikTok on your mobile phone. Okay. For 16 to 24, 26-year-olds. So youth, what you would call. And on there, we essentially help young people build up a profile that is optimized for people who have not much to show, essentially trying to replace the resume. And validate that talent such that they can access based on their skills, not where they went to university or who they know. They can access a community of what we call hype masters. So people who are supportive, giving you confidence, giving you inspiration. Again, most young people don't have that support network. So number one. Number two, accessing opportunities from scholarships, internships, jobs, either remote or local. And then finally, accessing um, free online skilling programs and mobilization programs from entrepreneurial thinking to digital skill building that run in our kind of TikTok-y, fun, engaging, peer-to-peer way. So to give a concrete example, we run an entrepreneurship program that's developing entrepreneurial thinking. Instead of having someone with 30 years of experience speaking about entrepreneurship, we actually have young people pitching their ideas and becoming role models for other young people. And you can vote, you can engage, and every single day we give out funding. So it's a different way of learning. Wow, that is what Goodwill is today. Uh, I'm I'm curious though, Um, you said, okay, you and your brother had this idea. Let's see how we can influence a uh, hundred million people. And uh, looking at the numbers, because you, I believe, are in over 150 countries at the moment, two million members, uh, secured five million jobs. So you're getting there. It, it, it's growing. But how do you start something like that? Yeah. Um, so we just had this desire or, or this, this, this macro level problem that we saw. And then we thought, okay, how can we work backwards from that vision to say, how can we actually build something that will go out and achieve that? So we, we realized pretty early on, we needed to leverage technology, not because we're technologists per se, but because technology is an amazing tool for um, disproportionate impact. Uh, the technology allows us at a very low cost to be able to reach very big numbers and have an effect big change, especially with the proliferation of data 
and, and, and access to devices that's happening around them. So that was the first bit. The second was we realized we needed to be financially sustainable. Um, so we needed to come up with a model which today is referred to as social entrepreneurship. So you have a you have a certain you're a vision you're a mission driven organization with a clear social goal, but your business model is sustainable in the sense that you're able to be self reliant. Um, you're not just reliant on donations, which which many NGOs are, and you are constricted to funding cycles of or funding priorities of funders. So uh, we we realized that was critical in order to achieve large scale impact, which was important. And then and then we looked at who was the target audience we could affect. And we decided to focus on youth because younger than that, it's quite difficult to go directly to the young person. You need parents, you need schools. And schools, one often refers to as an enterprise sale without enterprise revenue. It's very, very difficult to achieve. So you need to be able to reach the young person directly. So that's after a certain age for GDPR reasons, but also just for, um, for, for, for personality traits reasons. But if you're too late in the story, you know, the boat has often is, 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 has almost passed. So we said, okay, this was the area we wanted to focus on. And then we looked at what were their needs. So we realized one of their key needs was being able to access opportunity. And this is regardless if you're in Switzerland or if you're in Kenya or if you're in South Africa or Sri Lanka, you need to access opportunities. Um, and there's a skills mismatch between what the market wants and what the young person either has or is perceived to have. And so we decided to focus on on that. And then we realized, okay, we need to make this fun. We need to make this engaging. What's the business model? And then we went through the business model canvas. And then it's just like any other business. You try and identify the, the real problems of the personas. And then how can you deliver on that? Wow, that's quite an experience and an adventure. Now, at a certain point, you, you grow the company, and I understand your point of uh, by making it a profit for profit company, you act a, a sustainable business model. You actually uh, are going to be able to grow and make impact. Um, at what point? So, how does the, the the process work? I just mentioned you're part of a global shaper World Economic Forum, Forbes called. How does that work? Um, do you get a phone call? Does somebody approach you? Hey. Can I put you on this list? Is it just a badge of honor or does this require you to do real work? Um, it depends. It depends on, on, on the initiative. So if I look at the Global Shapers, um, I've been part of it for many years. And it's, the Global Shapers um, principally had a mandate to create local impact um, for your community. So uh, we were involved. I was, I've been involved with various local initiatives, for example, a two-way mentoring project for refugees in Geneva. This was with, with a cohort of 10 people. So we're not talking about a million or two million, but 10. And that's one of the most meaningful things I've had the chance of engaging with uh, on a personal level. So this is something that I do. It's a volunteering initiative. Um, and there are various other initiatives that take place. And you basically give your time to contribute positively to your local environment. And it's amazing because, of course, you're doing good. You're You're trying to achieve impact, but you're also engaging with other very inspirational young people um, and you learn from them and some of my best friends have come out of that pro program actually over over the past years um, what's also uh, clear is that the forum gives you access to a certain way of thinking if i think of our desire and our like 
focus on partnerships, a lot of that probably comes from that exposure because they are at the end of the day, a, a leading public private partnership, um, or in, at least they advocate for it. And, and so we've always, you know, we've learned that uh, from that experience. Um, we had the chance to go to some of their events. We've had the chance to speak at some of their events, um, which of course allows us to, to have a podium for our thoughts and our, and our visions um, and, and actually influence debate at the highest level. Um, because um, at, at these events, you have policymakers, you have CEOs of Fortune 500s, and you have entrepreneurs. So um, that would be an example of the Global Shapers. And then if we take some of the others, um, for example, if I can speak about Generation Unlimited, which is a public-private youth uh, partnership that is hosted by UNICEF, um, they bring together leaders that are trying to help young people connect to opportunities. So they have a very ambitious goal. Um, and for that, they bring government leaders, they bring for-profit leaders, corporates, and then they bring um, civil society NGOs and youth leaders. And we work very closely with them. As you mentioned, we're on their global leadership council. And there, um, yes, there is work that needs to be done, literally work that needs to be done, but there's also a time commitment to show up at the events and then make the effort to find ways to work together with the different organizations so uh, that are there. So, and that has led to very concrete impact related to our work, for sure. Great. Yeah, so being part of those councils, having that recognition, um, that also uh, would imply that the CEOs and the top level executives of organizations, government organizations, they're actually gonna take you seriously because hey, somebody has uh, uh, yeah, put you through the ring. I said, hey, you have to listen to this guy. He has something meaningful to say. Is that what it's all about? Uh, I, I wouldn't say say all about. I'd say, I mean, it, you know, like all things, when, when you're in a curated safe space, yeah. people are willing to be more open. So if you take the World Economic Forum or you take Generation Limited, you take, uh, you know, any of these, these more intimate events that take place, um, you're in a trusted, there's a certain amount of openness or willingness to engage. Also, you're in the right mindset. You know, you've come there for a specific purpose. You're there, it's not your day-to-day. -day. You're there to open your minds. Everyone has problems. Everyone has a million things they're trying to do. But when they're there for those X hours, you know, and you may be the CEO of a company or a head of state, you're there to discuss and to engage. And so if you meet someone like me, or and, and it might just not be me, but it might be another CEO, it might be a head of state, you're willing to talk about stuff outside of what you're doing day to day. And that's where partnerships are fostered. That's where, where ideas come together. And very concretely, the last leadership council, we met multiple people who we did not know, and we now work with in a strategic way. And that is only possible because we had a breakfast together. Okay, no, thank you for- uh, Nothing crazy, you know, no, nothing crazy, no, just- just just a breakfast, or if I take at Davos and I said this, we literally bumped into some, I bumped into someone who was going for the same pastry as me. And that someone happened to be um, a leader in one of the largest companies in the world. And from there, able to do something that might 100x our impact. So serendipity is important and these kind of organizations help foster it. Great, it, it, thank you for putting that into context. Now, um... Hey, 
moving along, uh, what does success mean for you? How do you define success in your work, in your private life, or is that the same? Um, it's a good question. I think for me, a bit like my pitch to my, to, to my audience is I want to maximize my potential and have a positive impact on society. So if I take the first bit, I just want to be the best I can be at every facet of my life. Um, that means as a leader, that means as a manager, that means as a strategist, that means as an executor. Um, and also in my personal life, I'm trying to be the best I can be with the different stakeholders, um, so to say. Um, and, and that's a continuous journey, right? I would like to think that every day I'm slightly better than the day before. And if not, I should be doing something a bit differently. Um, and then in terms of having an impact on society, um, I've said and that to create impact, you need essentially three, three elements. You need some talent or ability to execute. You need a network or safety net, and then you need to create a, You need to have a desire to create impact. I mean, to create impact at scale. Now, a, a lot of times you have people who want to do good, but don't have the network. You have people who have the network, but don't actually want to do good, uh, et cetera. And if you are in that little, then like if you look at that triangle, if you, there's a very small percentage of people that have all three or who have the luck to have all three. I don't, again, I don't believe it's because I'm a good person or very talented. It's just the luck to have those three then, you, then I think it's almost our moral obligation to try and do the best we can to contribute positively to society, whatever that may be, whether it's locally, whether it's internationally, but let's do our best. And, and, and for me, that's very important. That's guided my career so far. And I, and I hope to, to, to keep doing more, right? Because you keep having more opportunities as you go forward. To what extent can you help luck a little bit along? Can you do something which increases your chance to be lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. There's, there's a lot that can be done if I think back, um, not to give any advice, and I think many have spoken at length about it. For us, when we were starting our first business, we just bought like 20 books and went through them like pretty religiously um, over a very short period of time to learn as much as we could on things we knew very little about, you know, conceptually we understood what a business model was, but we didn't really understand how it worked. So we just went through it and that's, that's how we learned. And then we spoke to people. Um, we, we had a very, you know, every person we spoke to gave us an introduction to someone else and that built our network up. Um, I would say, and at a more uh, fundamental level is, you know, just being very curious and open-minded, I think is important. So if you're in that zone, opportunities also present themselves. So I give a concrete example. You might be at a dinner, you might be at a, at, at a bar, which is where we met our first investor. You know, we, it's just that you're open, you're always on the lookout for opportunity. And you say, okay, if someone says something interesting that might overlap with what your interests are, double click on it. Yeah, well, you, you, you're describing my point is luck is not a random chance. Um, it is being open uh, uh, for the opportunity when you recognize that as an opportunity and then grabbing it. Because if you bump into somebody at the World Economic Forum, if you bump into somebody in a bar, you can say, sorry, move on and enjoy your pastry or sorry, can we discuss what we're doing here? So you have a choice there which is going to help you or not help you. Absolutely. Now, 
Uh, I also read uh, in preparing my interview with you, uh, you are on the jury of reviewing exceptional candidates who would become future leaders in sustainability and science. And well, it's quite obvious why you are part of that jury, given the background you just shared. But what makes someone exceptional? What are you looking for? In this particular case, um, we're looking for someone who's clearly mission-driven, um, who's who's willing to take their talents. So number one, mission-driven. Number two, in terms of talent, we're we're looking at um, people who have demonstrated examples of excellence in the past. You know, so it's very hard to predict exceptional leadership if they're not already exceptional leaders today, right? So in this particular case, it's it's to be able to help guide them on a, 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 a help them participate in training and support to become exceptional leaders so we're looking for that potential and that potential um can be shown not necessarily only in terms of their academic achievements but also in terms of what have they done outside uh what what are the initiatives they've participated in and have they shown resilience have they shown grit have they shown an ability to deal with failure this is just as important as being the best intern at the most competitive company or having done the most impressive MBA or having been at the most exclusive uh, science school. Okay, good. Uh, so it's not about those milestones and achievements. And uh, bears me to ask you uh, just a couple of more questions, uh, Taha. Uh, first of all, uh, how bumpy was the road to your success? Were there any big failures or mistakes you've made along the way uh, where you feel, okay, I need to share this so people can avoid that? Yeah, failures and mistakes, uh, unfortunately being made or fortunately being made all the time. Um, and one, some could argue on a daily basis. And the question is, how does one deal with those mistakes? I think it's important some, some would say if you're not making mistakes, you're probably not pushing hard enough. You're not taking enough risk. You're, you're, you're not uh, moving forward fast enough. Um, but I was given this piece of advice that's always stuck with me. It's not the one who gets there to the answer first that's going to win. It's the one who adapts quickest to being wrong. And I think that's quite interesting. So uh, with, a, with a business idea, you know, your first idea may not be the right one, but how quickly do you know that it's the wrong one? And I think, and that can, you know, that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. Are you, are you able to self-evaluate and reflect and adjust quickly enough? Um, I think that's, that's been something I'm trying my best to, to live by. And, and as a result, also take out the fear as much as possible, though it's very difficult of making wrong decisions, which, which then leads to decision paralysis, which I think is the most dangerous thing for a leader, which is to make no decision. Um, and, and that's what you're being paid for. And that's what your team counts on you for, to make those decisions, um, even when it's not perfect. Um, so that's, that's one bit. And then in terms of myself, I think the biggest challenge we faced was when we almost lost what made us who we are. And I think that's why values are so important and continuously reiterating your values and missions and vision. Um, and I, I can be a little bit more specific. We almost lost who we were because you know, we had achieved a certain amount of success by being quite true to who we were. And at one point, you know, like, like everyone, you see what other people are doing and say, oh, that's even more. In, in, and should we adjust ourselves to fit that? And I think it's important to iterate. It's important to adjust yourself, but it's critical 
to stay true to your values because that's what makes you special, right? And you trying to take on the values of someone else, you know, imagine you're a incredibly successful sales organization. There's a reason why you're incredibly successful. And I think it's hard to imitate some, you know, authentically imitate something that isn't you. And at the end, your USP, your unique selling point is, are your values. Uh, very wise uh, lessons and uh, advice shared. Uh, any last advice you would want to give to, especially the young people watching this program, to young managers starting out on a journey? Um, I would say this is an incredibly exciting time to be alive. There are so many opportunities for us, so many. And I think it's just go for it. And what's the worst thing that can happen? Um, because it's an incredibly exciting like it's an incredibly exciting time to be around. Okay. Uh, I also expected to uh, be a member of Goodwill. <laughs> yes, yes. That too, please. <laughs> yes. uh, so to help you reach your goal of uh, helping uh, 100 million people, young people, uh, you could say, improve their career, get a start, get a job. Um, it's been a tremendous honor to talk to you about what you've done, uh, what you're still doing, and uh, how you got there. So I'm going to thank you so much for your time today, and uh, we'll stay in contact. Thank you. Thank you, Fritz. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.